This morning is actually different. You may have noticed already uh, through what we've been going through and how that's how that's going. Uh, and there are two reasons for that. One is as. Carrie mentioned I've been sick this week. What he didn't mention is I've also been out of town, and thanks to the ice storm, plans were changed, and we were not... Oh, wait, I don't have my speaker on. Can you hear me now? Yeah. A little better. There we go. I have a microphone on, just not the speaker. Makes a difference. Um, yeah, we were out of town. Thanks to the ice storm, we're not able to get back until last night, and so uh, it works out quite well for me to have a, uh, a sermon this morning that's actually one I've given numerous times. In fact, um, a little different every time. But in three different states, multiple churches, several locations around El Dorado um, for various organizations, but never here, which has bothered me. <laughs> I really uh, would like to give that here as well. So it works out well for me that way. But especially, and more importantly, I think is good for you. Otherwise, I wouldn't do this. And, uh, and here's, here's the whole thing. This is New Year's, kind of the first Sunday of the new year. And so this is the Sunday, this is the time of year where everybody's making those New Year's resolutions. And you're saying, this is how I want to be different this year than I was last year. And so whether you like to make those resolutions or not, um, whether you've already made some or not for this year, I'm going to challenge everybody here to add one to your list, maybe even right up at the top, that this year you commit to memorizing verses from the Bible. I know, I know, for probably about 80% of you, maybe a little more, You had an instinctive negative reaction as soon as I said that. (laughs) I know. That's why we've allowed a little bit more time to go through this. (laughs) So hopefully by the end of this morning, you will uh, not have such an instinctive negative reaction. In fact, understand why it is that you would do that, (laughs) put yourself through something like that, and actually be excited to begin and to continue. And part of that has to do with understanding why you would do that at all. So we're going to go through why we do it and also how we do it so you can avoid uh, all the problems that generally crop up and keep people from doing it at all. That's where we're going. Uh, Before we begin with all of that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we thank you for the ways in which you have revealed yourself to us through your creation, the ways that you revealed yourself to us uh, more explicitly in, in the Bible. And uh, Lord, we also thank you for Jesus, who reveals you more clearly than anything else. We pray that you would give us a passion for your word, that as uh, we read it more, that as we study it more, as we uh, meditate on it, as we memorize it, Lord, that we would come to know you better, that we would come to love you more as we realize what all, or who you are and what all you have done for us and continue to do in and through us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are going to be using the screen quite a bit, and uh, so if you are sitting where you can't see it, you may want to scoot in. I know these pulpits kind of block that. Um, surely that didn't turn off right. No, I didn't. And we're going to begin, actually, with a, with a video I showed a few weeks ago. So for those of you who were not here... 
You're not missing out. You'll get to see it here. And for those of you who were here, um, you know it's a good video and one worth reviewing and seeing again. But yes, I do know I showed it before. Here we go. It's very helpful in this context. All right. The reason we show that uh, again, not as a way of preparing for Christmas that we just had, but maybe as a way of preparing for Christmas next year, but also because he shows, I think, so clearly, and you kind of get this visual uh, visual aid to what it is that scripture memory is all about. And it is not all about uh, competing with somebody else. Did you notice he was going over a lot of verses there? He had picked out, these are the verses he's going to go over, and he went over and over and over them, and was committing them to memory, and, uh, and yet it wasn't so that he could win a contest of who knows the most verses. Not so he could get more stars at Sunday school class or anything. It was because he knew that he needed change, change of mind, a change of heart. He understood that scripture is worth memorizing. That's actually our first, um, first key here, on the three keys of scripture memory. By the way, if you are worried about taking notes through all this, don't worry about that. I actually have printed out all the notes. They're on the back table. You can grab them as you leave. Um, so you can just listen for now. Scripture is worth memorizing. That is the first key. And generally, in speaking to a group of Christians, I don't need to to say you know make a big point over Scripture being valuable uh, or important. Everybody gets that. And I don't talk to non-Christians and say, hey, if you're not a Christian, you know what you should do? You should memorize lots of Bible verses. Why would they? I still can't figure out personally why people who don't believe in Jesus celebrate Christmas. That's another story. But um, certainly would not ask somebody who's not a Christian to start memorizing Bible verses. This is something that's for Christians. So we all should understand the importance of Scripture. By the way, just on that, I saw a um, result of a study recently where so the people who read their Bibles four days or more per week are 407% more likely to memorize Bible verses than people who read it three days a week or less. When you first hear that, you go, that's crazy. What's the difference of that one extra day? <laughs> There's a huge difference between three days a week versus four days a week in all kinds of areas. But I think one of the reasons why it's such a big difference in memorizing Bible verses is because the more you read your Bible, the more you start to see how it has to do with everything. And the more it starts affecting your whole life. And so instead of, alright, yeah, I read it for this week, throw it away, you know, put it aside till next time I have to read it again. Instead, you start seeing the value of it and experiencing the value of it, and you say, I don't ever want to put it away. In fact, I want to carry it with me everywhere I go, and not just at my side, but internally. And so I think that's where some of that comes in. So before we even get into memorizing scripture, if you're not already uh, practicing that reading your Bible four days a week or more, put that on the top of your list of New Year's resolutions. And then once you do that, I think this one will take care of itself. The scripture is important, but it's also worth memorizing. And here's, most people will say, yeah, I get that scripture is important. It's valuable, but I don't need to memorize it because I've got a Bible and I have one at church. I've got one at home. I have one in my living room and one in my bedroom. I have uh, one in my, that I carry in my purse. I have one on my phone that I carry in my pocket. 
I don't need to memorize it. I've already got access to it all the time, wherever I am, whenever I need. Okay. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, right there towards the beginning, says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Then in, which means, by the way, that we are to be different. We are to be different than the world around us. The salt is different. It's set apart by what it is, not by distance, but by character. The light is different from the darkness. Not that it's set apart somewhere separate other than the darkness, but that when it encounters darkness, it changes it. The same thing with the salt. We are to be different from that which is around us, the world around us. In uh, Romans 12, verse 2, Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think about this. If we're to be different, and we've got Bibles all around us, let me ask you this. How different from the rest of the world do you think somebody would be who thinks just like the world, who talks just like the world, who acts just like the world, who does everything that the world does, but they're surrounded by Bibles? Not very different. And yet, it's one of those things where you put it like that, you go, oh, of course. But how many of us practice that on a daily basis, somehow thinking that just having Bibles around is going to sort of soak into us and make us different people just because it's nearby. It doesn't work that way. And so I want you to understand, Scripture is worth memorizing, not so you can show people you've got it done, not so that you can uh, beat somebody in a how many Bible verses do you know competition. It's worth memorizing because it's life-changing. This uh, talk is actually called Memorization for Transformation. And Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This may not be the only way you can do that, but it's one really good way that you can do that. It's by memorizing Bible verses. So, hopefully we're on board on that one. We're all together there. The scripture's worth memorizing. But the next objection, of course, is, well, it's good for other people, but not for me. I've tried it before. It didn't work. I want you to know you can do it. Now, there may be some people who have diagnosed memory impairment issues who cannot do it. <laughs> I get that. I would, I, however, I would say, even in that case, I would suggest going through these steps that we're going to uh, go through as a way of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Whatever mind you have, even if you cannot get it fully memorized... The going over it and over it and over it again, even if you never get it memorized, I think it's still a beautiful way to love God with your mind. Um, I also know that it is uh, something that becomes increasingly difficult as we age. I understand that. But the temptation there is to say, well, because it's harder for me, then I'm not going to do it at all. No. If you're, if you're at an age where that's actually a problem, you're also old enough to know better <laughs> than to use that as an excuse. All right. Um, but it's still something where it may take you longer uh, than, than your children or grandchildren to memorize verses. Uh, I know some of my kids can just fly through and memorize 
it's amazing. Um, it may take you a little longer, that's okay. It's not a competition, the goal is transformation. And I would say most people have a memory that is functional for what we're talking about here. If you can remember right now where you are, if you can remember, <laughs> if you can look around the room and you remember the names of two or three people here, <laughs> if you're a visitor, I'll give you a pass. Um, <laughs> you've got a memory that works well enough for this. Now, the, um, the thing that people usually say here, well, no, we'll wait for the next one. I'm just going to tell you right now, you can do it. But here's the problem, is that repetition is the key. And that's where people usually fall down, because people usually say things like this. No, 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 I don't have a good memory. What happens with me is everything goes backwards. Like the things that I want to remember, I can't ever remember. But then all the stuff that I really wish I could forget, that's the stuff I remember really well. Here's the key. Here's what happens. You take a situation that's happened in your life, some painful memory, and you, and you go like this. You know, he did this thing to me where he said... He said something that he knew was going to hurt me. I know he knew that when he said it, it was going to hurt me because of this other thing that happened in our lives before that. And so when he said it, he knew it was going to hurt me. And I, I know that, and he knew that I knew that. And that's why, and you go over and over and over it, around and around. Even if you don't talk about it to all your friends, you're still going over and over and replaying it in your head over and over and over again. And then you say to yourself, why can't I forget that? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> You've been reviewing and reviewing and reviewing from every angle. So, of course, you're going to remember it. At the same time, same person may take a Bible verse, look at it two times. I don't know it. I must have a bad memory. (laughs) But it's the reviewing that makes a difference. Let me give you an illustration that has been really helpful for me. This is not from a scientific or medical perspective on how memory works. This is just something that makes sense to me when you think about it in these terms. When we moved to El Dorado, the church had a lovely uh, sprinkler system put in at the manse, and so our lawn was lovely, even when we don't get so much rain. And um, it stayed lovely until we got a dog. When we got a dog, it still stayed lovely in most of the yard. Well, that dog with little short legs really liked to just go on one path. It was from the back door to the back gate, and all the way around the fence by the house so it could you know, bark at all the neighborhood dogs, dogs and that sort of thing. And so within a short amount of time, she had worn a very clear path in the lawn where no grass grew. You could take her out of there for months. No grass is going to grow. You put her back in, she'd know exactly where to go again because the path is there. It's been worn. It's been traveled over so many times. Now think about this. What if you were to say... You know, I want to wear a path in my lawn. I don't know why you would do that, but say you did. And so you go out and you walk the length of your lawn. Then you turn around, you walk the same path back. Then you turn around and look at it and you say, Still grass? I must not be very good at wearing paths. No. It's going over and over and over again that wears the path. And that is what I like to keep in mind as you think about what it is to memorize. When we're doing this scripture memory, it's the going over and over and over it again until we have that path worn in the lawn of our minds, so to speak. So, scripture's worth memorizing. You can do it. But repetition is the key. With those in mind, you should be ready to go, but I'm still going to give you ten more <laughs> things to think about. Why not, right? Um, ten techniques for increased effectiveness. 
If the goal is transformation, we want to make sure that we are doing this in a way that is effective, where it actually works in our lives, where we don't give up out of frustration, where we don't get things memorized but have no idea what we're saying and we're just repeating things like parrots. Most of these ten things come from my own personal experience of doing it the wrong way first. I'm letting you all get the benefit of my mistakes so you can learn from my mistakes rather than having to make them yourself. But you may recognize things you've done on here before, which is why you gave up, because you did it wrong. Let's see if we can do it the right way. Number one, go slow. That doesn't mean look at a Bible verse today and then don't look at it again for like a month because we're going to go slow. No. Go over it a lot daily, every day. But what it means is don't set these really ambitious goals like, I'm going to memorize the whole New Testament by February. That's too much, too fast. You'll get frustrated. You'll quit. It's not a competition. You're not trying to get the most verses memorized more than anybody else. The goal is transformation. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to let that take time. And so go slow, as slow as you need to, for the transformation to be uh, taking place. Number two, pick a translation and stick with it. Some of the verses that are the hardest for me to say by memory are the ones that I learned in one translation and then later tried to relearn in a different translation. So I was wearing that path in my brain and I just keep falling into the old path again and I can't remember where it is. I have to really be careful about that. I don't say that to say that you should never switch translations. There may be reasons for that. But um, what I'm saying is make sure that whatever translation you're using, you're doing that on purpose. So when you're adding another verse, you don't just add it from this translation, that whatever Bible happens to be the closest to you. If you're going to be memorizing, go with the same one. And that's also especially helpful for number three, which is memorize word for word. If you're going from several different translations, that's going to be a problem, memorizing word for word. But that is really important. Now, the temptation here is to say something like, okay, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's see if I have that memorized. God really loved the world, so he sent Jesus, and that's really good. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's summarization, not memorization. There's a place for that, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about memorizing word for word, and that actually does two things for you that are very helpful. One, it's a little harder, and so people, I don't want to do that. It's worth it. Uh, the first thing it does is it actually makes the memorizing go faster. Because if you are not, if you're kind of walking around that path all the time, where you want the path to be, and you're kind of, well, sometimes I'm over here, sometimes I'm over here, if you're not right on it, it's going to take longer to get that path worn, to get that verse really memorized. The other thing it's going to do, though, and maybe more importantly, is give you a greater confidence that when you're away from your Bible, that that's really what the Bible says. And so you get in a conversation with someone who says, you know, I, I think all ways to God are pretty much the same and doesn't really matter. And you can say, well, I don't think that sounds quite right. But I'm not really sure where it says specifically anything. I don't know. Or you can say, well, actually, I... I do know that when Jesus was talking with his disciples, since Jesus answered, John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I know that's what it says. And in fact, in Acts 4, 12, when Peter is preaching after Jesus has been raised from the dead, he said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 
Now, you haven't even opened your Bible and you can already have the confidence of that is what it says. Now, how you communicate that and how you talk about that is another issue. But now at least you know what it actually says and you can deal with it at that level. So memorizing, if you don't memorize word for word, you're still, I don't know exactly. Memorize word for word. It'll go faster, give you greater confidence when you're away from it. Number four, know what it is that you're memorizing. Now part of that goes back to uh, what translation you choose. If you choose a translation where you don't understand any of the vocabulary, but it just sounds pretty when you say it, might as well be memorizing it in French or something. Oh, it sounds beautiful. No idea what it says. <laughs> Pick a translation that actually kind of talks like you do, that uses vocabulary you're familiar with, so that when you read it, it makes sense to what, what it's saying. But it's more than just knowing the words in that verse. It's actually knowing what it means in the context where it is. So if you ever get a uh, memory verse card from somebody, or you order cards and they come already pre-made, and it's just a verse by itself... Do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Do everybody around you a favor. <laughs> Go look it up in your Bible first before you even start memorizing it. Look it up and read around before it, after it. See what it's actually what it actually means in context. Very famous example of this is Philippians four thirteen, which I first memorized as um, I can do everything, or I can do all things through Him who through. Ah, I'm getting all the verses confused all the translations because I got it in three different translations right now the first one I learned was I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me some of you may know that one that way I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me great verse wonderful for memorizing I highly recommend it Uh, however by itself it can be a little misleading and if that's the only verse you have to go on from the whole Bible it's really easy to think that what it means is something like this whatever I decide to do I can do it and Jesus got my back. He's going he's gonna to help me out. He's going to strengthen me to do whatever I want to do, no matter how far away that is from what God wants me to do. Even if it has nothing to do with what God is, wants me to do, what he's told me to do in the Bible, if it's something I've decided to do, yeah, Jesus will help me with that. That's what the verse says, right? Now, if you know any of the Bible, you probably already have a feeling, no, that's not right. But if, that's all, if that verse is all you have to go on... So you look it up and you read around. And what you find out is in that context, what Paul is saying is as he goes through doing what it is that Jesus has called him to do, he's had amazing highs and amazing lows and all of those circumstances he finds himself in. And he says, you know what I found out in all of it? It's okay. I'm all right. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content in every circumstance. Because Jesus will strengthen me to do, no matter what situation I'm in, what it is he's called me to do. That is a verse worth understanding, worth memorizing, and worth reflecting on every day. Very important you know what you're memorizing. Number five, let it settle. This kind of goes along with number one again, of the going slow. You've got to give it time. If the goal is, uh, is transformation, you've got to let it settle into your life. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. This is something that is not to be... um, Not like you do it over here and then you do your quiet time reading and then you put it away and now we'll go live the rest of the day like the rest of the world. 
But the Word of God, the message of Christ, is to be something that actually affects all of your relationships, that affects everything you do and think and say through the whole of your life. But you've got to give it time to let it settle. Don't move on too quickly. As uh, James puts it, James 1.22, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. You know, <laughs> the temptation with memorizing Bible verses is to think that you've obeyed it just because you've memorized it. Well, Jesus said to do this, and now I know that Jesus said to do this. Great. But did you do it? <laughs> yeah, no, I see. kind of skipped that part. Well, that's actually the whole point of why he said it. it. was not to get you to memorize it, but to get you to do it. The reason you memorize it is so you'd be able to do it wherever you find yourself. So do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's where the real transformation starts to come into play. And a good example of that is 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Two words, pray continually. You've already got it memorized. Pray continually. That's it. And so if you're competing with somebody and how many verses you can do, yeah, go to that one. That's great. You got it. And you move on. You, John 11.35, Jesus wept. Keep going. Um, but that's not the point. It's to add up how many verses you've got. The point is transformation. So you take those same two words, pray continually. And after you've memorized it, you give it time to settle. And you continue to review it and reflect on it. What does this mean? What does it mean to pray continually? Am I really to be praying continually? And if so, are there times in my life, are there times of day or times during the week or seasons of my life where I'm not praying? I'm not praying at all. And if so, why not? Is there something else that I'm trusting in during those times besides Jesus? And you see, when you look at it that way, those same two words that were so easy to memorize can actually have such a huge impact on the whole of your life and the way that you look at everything and the way that you live in every situation. So give it time. Let it settle. Number six, have someone or something to keep you accountable. Um, Whether this is a friend who wants to do this with you or uh, you don't even have to go at the same pace, but you kind of keep on each other. Hey, you've been, been continuing with that. That's a very helpful thing. With any starting any new habit, if you do that with somebody else, it's going to help. But if you don't have anybody else, there are also, um, you can set reminders on your phone. You can use computer uh, programs that, or f- phone apps that are flashcard programs that will actually remind you when it's time for you to review those verses again. So you don't have to keep track of when to review. And if you want recommendations on those, I'd be glad to give them to you. Just talk to me later. Um, Number seven, start with the ending. This is incredibly important and completely counterintuitive. Start with the ending. It's, of course we want to start with the beginning, but if you've ever seen uh, anybody who's kind of halfway through a monologue, an elementary school kid or something, they get halfway through their speech they're supposed to make, and they forget, and they're just stuck, and the eyes get huge. <laughs> They're in panic mode, and the teacher's like, and gives them the next few words. And they're like, okay, and they do the next few words, and they're stuck again. The next few words stuck again. Well, what happened there? They were so good at the beginning. Because when they were memorizing it, they started at the beginning, and that's the part they've gone over so much. That path is well-worn. It's very clear. But as they get to the end, they haven't done that as much, and so they lose their way, and it's hard to find that path again. But if you flip it, if you start at the ending, 
Start at the ending and do the last uh, last few words, maybe one complete thought. Break it at the where the punctuation is or uh, their comma or a period. Memorize that first. Go over that. This is especially for longer passages. And then you go and you back it up and then go all the way to the end. And then you back it up again and you go all the way to the end. So by the time you get to the beginning, you don't know that part as well. But all you have to do is get started down that path. You get the first few words in and it just gets clearer and easier the farther along you go. Start with the ending. I cannot tell you how important that is. Um, it's one of those things I still, with as much memorizing as I've done over the years, I start thinking, ah, I don't need to do it that way anymore. I can start at the beginning now. No, I cannot. No, I cannot. I always have to start with the ending. Um, so much faster, so much easier. Uh, number eight, say it out loud. This is actually not just say it out loud, but it's more than that. It's use all, uh, all of your senses, as many as you can. Say it with your mouth, read it with your eyes, hear it with your ears, and actually use gestures with your hands. Stand up when you do it. Get the blood flowing so you are fully engaged and focused on what it is that you're reading. Because if you are sitting down and you look at it and you just look at it with your eyes, you're partially engaged, sure. But it's going to take a whole lot longer to get it that way than if you get your body fully engaged and where. And if you do make up some sort of sign language thing, I have... Talk to me later. I'll teach you uh, ways that I have of memorizing lists like the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, uh, the love is patient, love is kind, all those. It's all on this hand of how to (laughs) keep them in order and what they mean. But if you do have those sort of things you make up along the way, you may find that as you're memorizing, your arm goes like this, right, as you've forgotten the next word. You're like, why? Why is my arm doing that? Oh, right, because the next part is, and then you're right back in there and keep going. So get your whole body engaged. Say it out loud. Use all your senses there. Number nine, memorize the address. Sometimes you want to know what it is that John 3.16 says. Other times you want to know where in the Bible does it say, for God so loved the world. You know, you say that to somebody and they say, yeah, where does it say that? Oh, I don't know. I think it's in there somewhere. Or, oh, it's in John chapter 3, verse 16. Here, let me show it to you. Big difference. Uh, And then number 10, be encouraged. Be encouraged because you've got to keep in mind This is not a competition. The goal is transformation. And so if a year from now, if you take this challenge and you say, yes, I'm going to do that, I'm going to start memorizing Bible verses, and a year from now you've memorized four Bible verses, but your partner who you said, yeah, let's do this together, they've memorized 100 verses, don't get discouraged. Don't look at the number and go, oh, well, I only did four. No. Look at the transformation that's taken place in your life as you have reviewed and reviewed and reviewed those four, as you've put them into practice, let them settle into your life, as you have prayed through them through all kinds of situations, and as you have become a different person because of those four verses in the course of that year than you would have been if you had never memorized them at all. Don't look at the number of verses and get discouraged. Look at the transformation and be encouraged at what God is doing in your life through his word. Um, You thought we were done because we had already made it through all ten, but no. Then we put it into practice. Usually at this point I'll have everybody stand up and we will actually do this all together. I'm going to do it a little differently today. I'm just going to run you through some of it pretty quickly here. Uh, the first thing you do when you get a new verse like this, what is it you do? You get a verse all by itself? We'll look it up. Right, So you look up Ephesians 4.32 and you read around it in your Bible and you realize that what it's saying here 
is very similar to what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount of how we are to be different because we're connected to him. Uh, What Paul was saying in Romans 12, how we're to be different because of what God has done for us in Jesus. And here he is saying the same thing to the church in Ephesus. And he says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Skipping down a little bit, he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Created to be like God. Does that mean we're to be like God in that we know everything or that we are all powerful like God? Nope. So it qualifies this. To be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And let me tell you, if we are like God in true righteousness and holiness, we will be different from the rest of the world, don't you think? So then he goes through a whole list of things and says, so don't do this or this or this or this or this anymore. Why not? Because those things are not like God. Then verse 32. So here's what you do. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So he's telling us what to do, but he's also telling us why we do it. And that is the whole context of this verse. We're to be different, here's why we're to be different, and here's what that looks like. So now what do these words mean? Well, it starts with be kind. We all know what kindness is, right? Tell our kids to be kind. You know where kindness comes from? You know where kindness comes from? In Galatians chapter 5, it's given the fruit of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Kindness is right in there. It's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from the Spirit of God. So when Paul says, be kind, that doesn't mean try really hard to be kind. It means depend on the Spirit of God to make you a person who is kind. And as we practice this, then as we put that into practice, depending on God to be kind to one another, we understand what it's like to live this verse out. The second part, so be kind and compassionate. It's not just to be kind, but to be compassionate. You know what compassion means, right? To suffer with somebody who's suffering. To be so moved by their suffering that you're actually moved to action on their behalf. That's compassion. That's what it is. You know where it comes from? 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. God the Father is the Father of all compassion. In fact, that's what John 3.16 is all about, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son. He was so moved by our situation that he was moved to act on our behalf. That's compassion. And so, as we are kind and compassionate, once again, what are we doing? We're depending on God to give us what we need to do, what he's called us to do. So be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. You know what forgiveness is, right? It's not when somebody does something wrong and you say, oh, no problem. 
That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is saying, no, there is a problem. We acknowledge the problem. Sad, but I'm not going to make you pay. There's a cost associated with repairing our relationship, but I'm not going to make you pay it. I'm going to pay it. Whether that's a cost of money, whether it's a cost of time, whether it's a cost of pride, whether it's a cost of just not even being able to say, I told you so. I will pay the cost to make our relationship right. That's forgiveness. You should pay it, but I will pay it. Uh, and where do we see that most clearly? It's just as in Jesus, or just as in Christ, God forgave you. This is why we do this. And here in this one verse, we have God the Father, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The things that He is giving us in kindness and compassion and forgiveness. And then calling us to be like Him as we do these things, as we depend on Him to make us the kind of people who look like Him. So that as we live like this, people will see our good deeds and glorify, not us, but glorify our Father in Heaven. Say, you look different than the rest of the world. You know what you look like? You look like the God who's kind and compassionate and who forgives. So, at this point, we've just gone over the context and gone over the meaning of the words. If you want to go more with this one, start at the end. Start covering over a little bit of it at a time. And see if you can remember what that says. And you work your way all the way back to the beginning until um, you have it memorized. That just gets the words in here. But then as you begin to meditate on it and you begin to live it out in your life, depending on God to do these things in you, you start to see that transformation in your life. It's begun. The path is very light for this verse. I would encourage you to take this challenge to make this one of your New Year's resolutions. Begin memorizing the Word of God, not to compete with anyone else, but to allow God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to transform you by His Word into the people that He created you to be. People who look like Him and who shine His light into the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.